Alves Bradford, and I'm a psychiatrist from New York, coming to you from New York. Um, and so uh, I'm the social director of clinical services at uh, the New York State Psychiatric Institute, which is a teaching hospital um, that's part of Columbia University Medical Campus. Um, and I am co-presenting with um, Michelle, Michelle Renfro. I'm um, a psychologist with Department of Mental Health. Um, and so our, for the next two hours, uh, I'll be going through elements of what case conferencing is um, and challenges that you may have had and certainly other people have had in terms of uh, implementing them, sustaining them, and making them most useful for all the participants. Um, and then tools to help you to navigate those challenges. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, the interactive uh, case, design, case conferencing using in-depth conceptualization and strengths-based treatment planning, uh, which Dr. Renfro will do. Uh, so just raise of hand, how many people are using case conferencing now in some format? Okay, so some. Um, and uh, how frequently are you using it? Are you using it, let's just say, um, once a year, more than tw twice a year? More than twice a year. Okay, good. So more regular. The people who are using it are using it more regularly, which is good. Um, and then just I'll read the choices off and you can raise your hand. This was for like a polling thing. Um, but has your experience been helpful? Raise your hand. Very helpful. Okay, unhelpful. Okay, good. So, so everyone's getting some amount of benefit, whether it's, it's sort of mild or medium. Or, um, so that's great. So in uh, New York, uh, case conferencing is, um, is sort of very well immersed and ingrained in many different settings. But I'm going to present some of the department, our Department of Health, New York Department of Health, um, guidelines and standards uh, about specifically how case conferencing. That's a model coming from New York that I want to share with you um, about that might be helpful for your settings as well. Um, and so, so case conferencing differs from routine care. It's formal, it's planned, and it's structured, and it's separate from regular con contact, contacts. Um, usually interdisciplinary, multiple disciplines coming together, putting their heads together to solve a problem or to uh, get further uh, insight on the case and a plan going forward. So case conferences are used in really multiple, multidisciplinary settings. Um, and what, can anybody just say why, like what, why should you have a case conference? What settings could they be useful for? Especially if you're field-based programs because you may not see. See people, right. right. So getting people together in one place to talk mm -hmm. about something when everybody's interacting. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's green, but it's okay. I think it's just warm. <laughs> okay, um, good. So, um, so these are some of the settings where it has been used in, and uh, and what these all have in common are that they're complex care settings. So it's it's patients with both, and I'm a psychiatrist. I think of patients. Maybe people say clients or participants, but. Uh, it's, it's people with multiple needs that are uh, being addressed in multiple different ways. So that's why it's multidisciplinary. And uh, cancer care, palliative care, HIV care, a lot of the, the guidelines that were developed in New York from the Department of Health are related to HIV care guidelines. Um, and nursing home care, rehabilitative medicine, hospital settings, um, and psychiatric settings and training programs. Uh, growing up as a psychiatrist, uh, this is sort of just 
what you do. You love case conferences. It's what it's a time where you come together. You always sort of learn something in the case conference. It brings together things that you've never thought about, perspectives that you've never heard. So it's really a time for um, having a new perspective on the case and a new plan going forward. Um, so so that's it's it's been. Uh, they have multiple tools of how to do one, uh, and, and trainees are getting evaluated on how they conduct one, especially in complex care settings like cancer, palliative care. Um, that's like a very important part of their training um, a, in order to be those, in those specialty services. And one of the things I really liked hearing about was that they have national case conferences, because in certain disciplines where you're, uh, there are very few of you, so so the one example is this geriatrics fellowship. There are very few geriatric psychiatrists, and so in any training program, there's only one or two geriatric fellows at a time. And so then, to order to see more cases, they need to talk to more providers in different settings. And so they've developed this national geriatrics case conference, which I think is really exciting to just think about that. And so hopefully this is sort of a national thing now. I'm from New York, you're from California, we're sharing. <laughs> so it's sort of like that. But, um, uh, but that's why it's really helpful. And several groups in these settings have really standardized this, developing practice guidelines and uh, mandated uh, time frequencies at which people get together for case conferences. And I'll tell you more about my, the setting that I'm referring to in HIV, but that the pal care, palliative care and cancer care have also done the same things, making them formalized and part of the um, guidelines and treatment and recommendations for care. Um, so, so the benefits, as I was talking a little bit about the benefits about how I look forward to case conferences when I first started learning how to do this and participating in them. Um, but they, they have been also been shown to improve um, concordance with guidelines. So for when you're doing complex care, when people are in multiple systems, and when you have specific guidelines, as I know the FSP programs do, about when to do certain things with your clients and timeliness and referrals, all of those things, in order to meet those, a case conference can help you meet those metrics. And um, so that can be really a helpful thing because so, it's hard to remember all the things and you know, are, are you able to do it? The work is so intense and it's so varied that uh, it helps to come together to remember and to remind yourself and to keep yourself on track for, for what you need to do in terms of meeting the guidelines. Um, and then also that that's related to some of the guidelines have to do with timeliness of referrals or um, consultations or follow-up care and the, the case conference can then set a structure about when that time needs to be com completed and then if you have someone who's assigned to monitor that implementation of that case conference that can help to make sure that those day deadlines and those gui or guidelines may be getting met. Um, and it's also been shown to reduce the care cost of hospitalizations. Now, this has not been seen in the psychiatric setting per se that I'm aware of, but it has been shown in the cancer and the palliative care and the end of stage care uh, settings, where that get, you know everybody's doing their own thing. <laughs> so the psychiatrist, the rehab medicine person, all of these people are doing their own thing, and they're having thoughts about this case, and then it's duplication of effort. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and no one's really talking. And so once you get everybody together on the same page, you're able to you know, get people out of the hospital uh, quicker, which saves money, uh, and get them into uh, a more suitable um, environment in the community. Um, so we talked about this really important when people are having uh, 
services from multiple systems and providers, one provider really can't do it all and may not know it all, right? Why would they? We're all trained with different disciplines and that really makes the richness of approaching a, a case. So, um, so this is sort of what I was mentioning before. You want to provide holistic, coordinated, and integrated services across the providers uh, to reduce the duplication that occurs um, to share <coughs> information and enhance patient care. And a lot of the um, uh, a lot of the other settings have shown that um, you really, especially like item like for the cancer care, that you in you ensure appropriate treatment options have been considered because not everyone is thinking about the same thing, and so everybody brings uh, different tools to the table, and so that the the case conference helps to to make that happen. Um, and so this is part of the guideline. So this is sort of. <laughs> so I sort of talked about the background and, you know, the uh, rationale for doing it. But this is exactly what's written in our Department of Health in New York State guidelines about case conferencing. So it's used to identify or clarify issues related to a client or a collateral status needs and goals, um, to review activities, progress, and barriers to the goals, um, resolve conflicts, multiple conflicts come up, where should this person be, be best treated, best suited, uh, what are the, what, where should we target first when people have complex needs, prioritizing which system or which thing is going to get done first is a challenge um, and so everybody needs to be on the same page and oftentimes it's not just one thing that gets done first sometimes there's more than one but even that there's like a list of what 20 needs that this person has so knowing when and where that happens is is a challenge and um, and and all of these things the guidelines are I'll show you the link where you can find them as well uh, in on the New York State um, system um, to map roles and responsibilities, as we were talking about, and strategize solutions and to adjust the current service plans. And that's how it's been standardized, which we'll get to later about the frequency of treatment plans. Oh, yeah. um, so we have had, I'll talk about my specific, specific setting, in, in, not, in relation to these guidelines, it's not part of it, but uh, in my, my specific setting is that, uh, so I'm the, the director of clinical services within the New York State Psychiatric Institute, Washington Heights, where the Columbia campus is, is a very diverse, ethnically uh, diverse neighborhood. And so we have many people, uh, many immigrants. About 50% of our patients are monolingual Spanish speakers. 70 to 80 are Hispanic in our uh, population. And so there's a lot of cultural issues that come up and that we just don't actually understand. And so part of our case conferencing has been in to bring in collaterals um, about, so let's bring in, you know, the alternative healing person, let's bring in the priest, let's bring in the family members, of course, which are natural collateral. But like we've been creative with who, who is the collateral, um, because that impacts how the person understands their illness <coughs> and their treatment and what we're prescribing and if that's at odds with what they think that they should be taking. And it's actually been very helpful in that kind of a setting because then what the priest or the alternate healer says, you can take that medication that they're giving you and mine. And, and then we, we look at all the compounds and to see if it's okay. And then we're all saying, and we're all on the same page saying that this is okay to do or that this is an understanding. Like, yes, this isn't at odds with your spirituality, that you can uh, still, you know, the, the voices are not, you know, a punishment from God or whatever it may be that the person is reacting to and having challenges about that you can then be on the same page about. And that, for those things, it's, it's very helpful for the team to understand what is the complexity of the person's uh, understanding of their illness. And then it's also important for the 
for the participant, for that client, to understand that we can all meet on one page. And it doesn't have to be at odds, because a lot of times they're splitting it off in their heads, saying, I'm in the hospital now, so I'm going to take this medication, or I don't want to take this medication. And we might have to go to court. But then, uh, <laughs> but then uh, you know, at home, I'm not going to be taking that, because it's at odds with my. And then if you're sitting here and saying, no, remember when we brought in you know, your pastor, your alternate healer, your family members, and then we were all saying that you know, things have got, were okay until a certain point, at which point everybody agrees that you can now take this medication or you can be in this treatment setting and this is what you need at this point. So that has been very helpful, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so face-to-face -face is always preferred. And nowadays there's like a million options to do virtual and, you know, telephonic and, uh, and it feels almost like you're there, but it's not, it's almost, it's not there. <laughs> and so being in person still means something and still is important. However, in our busy world, we all know that there's a challenge about people might be doing everything very separate. You might be in dis disparate parts, especially LA is very spread out and it might be hard to get to. Um, in the course of a day, just you have a million home visits or other things, hospitals and other things that you need to get to. You can't also get back to some main campus or something to, to have that case conference. So we're, we're flexible, <laughs> but it is preferred that as many people who could be present virtually are. Um, and then what's the frequency? And this does different depending on the needs of the patient, but let, let, we'll talk about um, what that is. So at entry to the program to get everybody into on the same page about what are the goals, what are the plans moving forward um, at regular intervals, and those do differ. I'll show you what some of it's written into sort of the guidelines for HIV uh, complex care patients, uh, and then held during significant change. Uh, so everybody had a plan. <laughs> it doesn't really, a million things came up. Somebody lost their home. Their housing status has changed. You know, other kinds of things have happened. Multiple hospitalizations. You need to change the, the, the plan. So you get together again. And there might be disputes about what is the best thing for that uh, client at any one time. And so you need to, to get on. And then if you can't find the patient or the patient's missing from treatment for whatever reason, you know, doesn't want to, isn't engaging, um, then that's another time to brainstorm and put your heads together about thinking about options about how to locate and or engage the patient uh, to re-engage in treatment. Um, and the documentation and the record and the ongoing is, is really helpful. Um, in some places, it's a requirement. Um, and then it's also, even if it isn't a requirement, it is helpful, again, so everybody can have access to that and, and move forward. So here's an example just about what you can find. This is sort of the um, link where you'll be able to see where some of the standards are for the uh, HIV-related providers' care. This is from the New York State Department of Health. Um, and this requires um, every six months uh, case conferencing for, com for comprehensive case management. There's sort of two differences, two delineations of, of care case management, and one is uh, complex and one comprehensive and one is supportive. And so the, for the supportive case management at the bottom here, you can see it's not required, but it's recommended as needed. But if somebody's risen to the level where they're um, uh, requiring comprehensive case management, it is required um, at a minimum of six months more as needed. Um, <clears throat> and then also that it's, um, it's uh, timely, it's in the patient's record, 
these are some of the other important points about it. Um, and it's, and it's, um, and then also one of the things that, depending on your setting, the patient's right to confidentiality, any releases, sometimes we forget that piece and that might be a part, and depending on how the, the FSP is working, I'm not exactly sure, but you may need certain releases from other providers who may or may not be involved, involved directly. Um, so people should, uh, the organizer, it should be, as we mentioned, so what's different, it's structured, it's organized, it's planned. You need to have someone who's an organizer, and that's usually the person calling for the case conference. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, the releases for information, sharing consents, especially if you're bringing in outside collaterals, that can be very important and, and necessary and should be done before. You create an agenda. Um, you can keep it simple, <laughs> but uh, thinking about what are the most, again, complex needs, probably a long list of things that, are, that need to be addressed for this patient or a person. Um, and so the, the case conference is not going to cover all of those. So you can pick one or two things that you want to work on um, for, for any one case conference. You try, oh, sorry, try to keep it short, usually less than an, an hour is really max, but you can do up to 90 minutes. Um, when we have it more in the educational setting, we usually do a 90-minute case conference, but more when it's part of like everyday business, we try to keep it uh, 60 minutes or less so that everybody, because you, you may be doing more than one of these a day, um, and prioritize the agenda. So this I want to share with you a model, and we'll sort of break down what are the kinds of things within each of the bullets that you should uh, or could focus on. Um, and so this is a model of how to structure it, what are the important things that you need to cover when you're discussing a, a, a client, um, and, and how to organize it in a timely fashion so that you can, and you can even um, you know, sort of bring this model, and again, I'll share the slides, so that you can stay on time. That's another point, because you know, again, complex needs, so somebody wants to go on about one particular thing or another, and that can really uh, take a lot of time. And so in order to stay on task, you can follow this kind of like timeline. This will cover 60 minutes, so this is how that's been designed. And so if you have less, if you have 45, you can shave off and do the ones where it says the smaller range, <laughs> and that would get you to more along of the lines of a 45-minute session. Um, so you do, again, hopefully you're in person, but there might not be that case. You do introductions and welcome and sort of orientation to why we're here and what we're doing. Um, the objectives, you're going to pick no more than two for any one case conference of the items that you want to address. And then um, you do a psychosocial summary. I'll just read them off and I'll, I have the other slides have a little bit more detail about them. Psychosocial summary, so you want to introduce the client, where the patient is in terms of which or program or owns the, or you know, is directing the care of the patient, and then um, <clears throat> what this person has been up to up until this point. Um, and you do a psychiatric eval summary related to medications and medical and psychiatric illnesses. Uh, and then the course summary about what's happened up to the present. And uh, then clinical teaching point. So the, the, this is related to the two specific concern, issues or concerns to address. Um, what is 
and this is really what comes to life and really like where you get uh, a real more complex understanding. What is driving what the problem is right now? So what is that? Is that something medical? Is it something psychosocial? Is there um, some new understanding about the client that's, um, that's been revealed or that's come up, a new problem that's come up that allows us to understand more about what's happening with this client? Um, and then discussion. Uh, questions, oftentimes the pre preparer might want to say, you know, and sometimes it's very concrete, like who's taking the patient now? Where, are they moving from this service to that service? Are they in to the, from the hospital to the outpatient or, you know, some other level? Or, and then uh, a wrap-up. So um, for the psychosocial summary, these are the kinds of things that you want to consider um, and to discuss the patient's age, ethnic, or cultural background, the date um, that the patient began in the program, uh, that, uh, the current placement, entitlements, and benefits, uh, and <coughs> that should say insurance, really not, although in income might be relevant as well. Um, homeless history, childhood and family, education and employment history, uh, incarceration and legal history, and abuse history. So all of these things are really important to discuss and you want to have an understanding of those. And again, this should really be five or seven minutes. We could, you could spend an hour on this alone, uh, but that's not the goal of the conference. You have to remember that there was one or two issues that you were here for this conference to address and you want to stay focused on that. Um, so it's, a su it's a, just a summary of these things. Um, and the psychiatric summary, again, is um, that also a five minute kind of a thing. <coughs> history of present illness, the past psychiatric history, substance abuse issues, family, medical history, uh, mental status, and diagnosis. And again, five minutes, so that shouldn't take very long. Um, and for the client summary, you want to, um, this is the, the, the case manager and the medical provider will have those, those, those times before. We, we, sort of talked about in the last two slides. Um, and then what you really want to focus on, the challenges about working with this client, what interferes with the long-term stability in the community, uh, what has the team done that's worked, and what has not worked. And this can be a very meaty part of, uh, of the presentation and very relevant because this is usually where people have a lot of feelings about what is happening and what isn't happening, um, and what everyone needs to, to get on the same page about really what the next step is. And with our patients, a lot of them are going to go through many different parts of the system at any given time, and certainly throughout the course of their uh, long treatment history. And so sometimes people get very attached to one direction being followed, but that might not be the best thing at this time, but there might be other things. So a lot of times you can just prioritize. It could come back to prioritizing what needs to happen first and then keeping the other stuff. Like we, that is really important and we're gonna get to that and that would be really helpful, but at this point, because of these factors, this is the most important thing to do. So having someone who the organizer is doing that is really helpful. Uh, because everybody, again, is seeing it through their perspective and their lens, and that might be the most important thing for long-term stability, but sometimes that long-term stability isn't the, what's going to help right now. Um, and so for the, in the Department of Health in New York, New York, uh, we've d they've developed a form uh, that's used, and so I'm going to show you with that form, and that you guys could, if it's helpful, could use that, There's a, and the link to download it. Um, so that, because again, having that shared 
and sent to various people and then they could include it in their uh, part of their treatment plan and their record is very helpful um, to knowing what happened at that moment and then what needs to happen. And sometimes, again, with people with complex needs, you can get sort of derailed because of the next crisis that's always emerging. Um, and so sort of forget all the good work that sort of happened in the case conference. And you look back, and you're like, oh, yeah, we've thought about that, but we've sort of let that got so pushed down to the bottom of the list. Let's sort of think about doing that again. Um, and we mentioned face-to-face um, -face as preferable. This is um, that where you can download the case conference form. The next slide has the form. Um, and again, I'll share the slides, so you'll have that. This is how, what the form looks like. Hopefully that's okay. Yep. Um, and again, many times the, the client is not present at some of these case conferences, or you might need a, a, a pre-case conference before the client is present, but sometimes they are as well. So there's a reference related to that. Uh, but usually, the, if the client is present, it's the, the providers have talked in some way to sort of have a more structured thing, because it's not as helpful if people are saying these, if there, there's a lot of disagreement with providers uh, to share that disagreement, then it just sort of leads to confusion with the client at that time. Um, so it's, it goes up to some the participants and the contact, very important, because again, you might lose those contacts, they may change, but at least you'll have either the name or the number to, to, to reach back for. Um, and then sign release for all agencies present. Uh, the purpose of the case conference, again, limiting it to those one or two issues that you need to prioritize. The overall assessment of the client's status and current needs, including progress in uh, the service, service plan areas, um, and then the plans. And so you can see here there's like five slots. So there's, um, there's again, you, there's a number of issues you want to prioritize and, and make those not a million, there's probably a million issues or like 10 or 20, but you want to just like cut to the next, the top three or so. Or, or so. And then each agency, which, which agency is doing it and what are they agreeing to do and when are they agreeing to do it? to do it. And then what's most important is that not this just not sit in the record, but that someone is assigned, usually it's the program organizer who has called the case conference, is assigned for following that up and figuring out then, did this happen? So what are these due dates? They shouldn't be a year from now. They should be, um, depending on the, the frequency of the case conference, maybe it's a month. Even if the case conference is not going to be for another several months, but the in between that, like, so we'll take an example of the six-month mandated treatment case conference. So in a six-month mandated treat case conference, they may do this form um, on month on the, at the beginning of the program, and then uh, then have the due dates within a month, depending on what the those tasks are, um, and then somebody follow up within that month to make sure that those got done, and then and then revisit all of that in the next, and then they may call then, need to call for things, a lot of things aren't getting done or there's been new complexities. They may call for another case conference before that six months are up um, to, to revisit what needs to happen. This is really just a summary of everything that was on the previous slide. Um, and then the, the plan um, is also just, again, what we said who's doing it, when are they doing it, um, and who will assume the ca ongoing case management role. That's really important, especially if it's not going to be the organizer of that case conference, um, and who will follow up with the family regarding the events of the case conference if the family wasn't there. 
um, and expectations regarding the frequency of communication between all the providers there. So those are some of the things that you want to also make sure that you're doing at the, at the end of the case conference. And then after the case conference is done, to send this, either the minutes or just the, the quote, that paper, that sheet, so that everybody sort of knows what happened and what are the next steps. Um, and then within a timely fashion, so within one week of the case conference to ensure that all parties have sufficient time to move forward with what they need to do. And then also the organizer or whoever's doing the ongoing case management needs a member to track when they're due to follow up. Um, so here are some of the challenges that come up. Time, right? We talked about these things. Our patients have complex needs. The systems are inefficient um, and not well suited always to address the need that's there. Um, and then navigating those systems to all at one time is very challenging. And that could take, a, you know, a long time <laughs> to, to get through. And then there's disagreements about what's happening and what's driving the problem at this time. So consider the frequency in terms of the time. So if the tasks are really huge and, and really complex, maybe you need to have more frequent case conferences. So in New York, even though it's at a minimum for, if the, for the complex, most complex cases for six months, uh, I, I mean, that's what the recommended is. You could do it more frequently. And so maybe you say, let's meet in three months and see where we are, or a month, and let's see where we are if it's like the needs are more acute at this time. Um, so, so that can be a... a, a um, a help in terms of when there's just, of, and, then, and then that helps you when you're in the conference to say, let's table that. We're going to have a, a case conference in, a, in another month, and we can address that. And then that helps to prioritize, knowing that you'll have an opportunity to address those things. Someone, so no, someone needs to take the ownership of what's happening. And so that doesn't have to be a supervisor of all of the different people. You know, usually isn't in the way it works. But if uh, if everybody's saying, I'm going to talk to my supervisor at the end of the case conference and figure out if we could do that, that's not so helpful. So at least some agency, and again, you're having different agencies, so somebody, but somebody needs to know what they need to, where they need to go and have some level of power and agency to, to address <coughs> yeah. that. So not everyone, because let's say you have five people from five different systems, agency, one, one or two of the family members or, or the client themselves, and then they're not all going to you know, be supervisors. And that's okay, nor, nor, nor is it necessary, but they need to be able to know what they're able to do within their institution. Otherwise, if it's just like, oh, yeah, that sounds great, but I don't know, I have to get back to you if I could do it, that's more work. Mm -hmm. And so then the next, the next case conference should not should ha should say, okay, let's bring out who are the, the, the people who are able to make, these are the kinds of changes we've identified at the next case conference, let's bring people who would, might be able to change that. Mm -hmm. So again, we talked about different, you know, in-person is best, but also be flexible in order to, it's much better to have that happen, to have the case conference happen and get it done, than to insist that it always 100% be in-person. Um, but if it's really turning into nobody ever wants to come in person, that becomes a problem. And then you just set, let's say, at least once a year or twice a year, we're going to do it in person or whatever the quarterly we're going to do it in person, whatever the frequency makes sense. Um, and we talked about disagreements, lack of resolution. That's always going to happen when you have uh, patients, again, with complex needs, multiple systems involved. Um, so you want to clarify the plan before you leave. The, the form can be very helpful about writing down what's happening and who's happening and when, so, um, and then making sure you have someone to follow up with that. Um, and so uh, that 
sometimes might say, this is really, okay, we're going to have to have a separate conference just on this one item. Let's reschedule that and like make sure then which parties should be involved that will be able to have some amount of change or ownership or action related to this problem. Um, and then poor follow-up. This, this often happens, even when you do have somebody assigned and a task, and that's what you should do, is to have the assignment of someone who's supposed to carry through the needs, but you have to make sure that that person is doing uh, what they're supposed to. And because again, lots of different challenges, unexpected things come up all the time, and so you sort of forgot to check in on what was happening with the case conference. But if this is driving your treatment, as it is in many of the places where it's been systematized and sort of uh, uh, organized into the framework, then it is part of what's happening. It's part of the plan. And so you consider that for your um, sites, is that is it, should this be then systematized in a way that it becomes part of what your, whatever your monitoring frequency is or your recording frequency is about your treatment plans. Um, and cancellations, and then this is a thing. If this, is, this comes up a lot, so then, oh yeah, we meant to do that, but this agency can't come, and this agency can't come, and this agency can't come, it becomes uh, un, uh, unuseful. And so you want to say, well, if that happens, like make sure that you have a backup. And even if that backup isn't the level that you might need to make all of the changes, at least it's better if no one can come to represent that agency, which is a critical piece of the patient's treatment, then that's you know, going to be important. Um, so consider a substitute. So this is sort of our learning objectives that we had, and, um, and, and we wanted to go over key components. Um, this is the first one, two, three, and then uh, Michelle's going to do the, the interactive part. Um, but the, this is the key components that we mentioned, the structured, it's planned, multidisciplinary, in person if possible, uh, and a summary note to be shared by all. Um, and I think I might add to that, well, here, the, the um, uh, well, actually, it's in three. The, the, so the number two, challenges to implement and sustain. Time, can't, time frequency, cancellations, um, disagreements, <coughs> and difficulty of getting anybody, everybody together at once. And so the solutions to those things are to adjust the frequency as needed, um, to allow for virtual if necessary, um, and to clarify the plan with responsible party for each step, very important, and identify backup that helps the cancellations, um, and to consider a virtual meeting 